0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Hi, my name is Peter Chu. Until 15 years ago, I was from the United Kingdom. As I was growing up, my parents set a high value on academic achievement. And this is something that has had a lasting influence on my life. My parents set me on a course which involved me winning an academic scholarship to Eton College, which is a prestigious private school for 13 to 18-year-old boys, which has produced more more prime ministers of the United Kingdom than any other school, 19 out of the 53 prime ministers to date, including the current one, David Cameron, who was at Eton at the same time as me. Though Eton was a nominally Christian school, daily chapel services were held. Few of my friends were Christian. I would say many of my contemporaries described themselves as agnostic or atheist. Even some of the chaplains did not believe in God. And anyway, most Etonians attended the a-religious assembly provided as an alternative to chapel. Eaton encouraged a strong spirit of debate and academic inquiry. And I remember having a lot of mostly friendly discussions with fellow students about the big questions of life. Most of my friends felt that even if God might exist, his existence could not be proved one way or the other. It was right around the time that I was engaging in these debates at age 14 and being encouraged by my teachers to to exercise academic skepticism in everything, that I myself became a Christian. I recall a couple of conversations that had a lasting influence on me. One was with a couple of the teachers who were instrumental in setting up an evangelical Christian group at Eton. One pointed out to me that Christianity is unlike any other world religion. In that, it is based on facts which can be checked. Both Islam and Mormonism, for example, hinge on supposed prophetic revelations that came to Muhammad and Joseph Smith, respectively. But how do we know those revelations were really what they claimed to be, messages from God? I asked the same question. I gave the testimony a couple of nights ago, Friday night, and a Mormon lady was here. And she was a little upset by me asking those questions. And we got into a debate afterwards. And I pushed her. And I said, okay, well, you know, where's your evidence? And she said, well, there's all this archaeological evidence of the tribe that, you know, settled in Central America. There's the gold plates. And I said, okay, well, what museum can I go and see those in? She had no answer. <laughs> in the end, it came down to, well, because I believe you should believe. Well, thank God Christianity isn't like that. Unlike all other religions, Christianity pretty much hinges on one remarkable historical fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, preceded by Jesus' life and death. Jesus himself predicted his own death and resurrection. Who else in history has ever been able to do that? And if the Bible's testimony about the resurrection could be falsified, then the whole of Christianity would come crashing down. It's not just me that says that. Paul the Apostle admitted as much in 1 Corinthians fifteen, fourteen to 19, I quote. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Another conversation I had along these same lines was with my own mother. I recall being impressed when she told me the story of a book called Who Moved the Stone by Frank Morrison. Morrison was a lawyer who took Paul's words that I just quoted to heart and decided that he would set out to disprove the resurrection and bring Christianity down. He examined evidence external to the Bible, such as the testimony of historians, such as the Roman Tacitus and the Jew Flavius Josephus, both lived around the time of Christ. He looked for inconsistencies in the testimony of the Bible itself. But in the spirit of free inquiry, Morrison was forced to follow where the evidence led him. And it led him, from his starting hypothesis, that the the Bible's testimony about the resurrection was false, to the exact opposite conclusion. These conversations that I had over 30 years ago have remained with me all my life. When I look back on them, they're why I have no trouble simultaneously considering myself both a diehard skeptic and a committed follower of Jesus Christ. It's why I've followed a career in science and technology, and I see synergy, not contradiction, between the quest for scientific truth through experimentation and Christianity. I earnestly believe that if we had more true skeptics around, more people who are willing to question their own preconceptions and follow wherever reason and facts might lead, we would have more Christians. Our God is a God of truth, reason, logic, and facts. He's not a liar. If he were, he wouldn't be worth following. And the 66 books of the Bible are his testimony for all who care to pay attention. Not only that, but he created us with our own innate ability to reason. And he tells us to test everything including, I believe, the testimony of his own word. So along those lines, I'd like to remind you of one of the very earliest skeptics of the resurrection who came to believe and was encouraged to test by Jesus. His name was Thomas. Jesus did not in any way condemn him for his skepticism, but as I said, actually encouraged him to test the truth of the matter. Here is his story. The other disciples told Thomas, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came and stood among them. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. So I I think you could be in one of three places. You could be where Thomas was when he had those questions. You could be where he was when he, he said, My Lord and my God. Or maybe you were at that place some while ago. In all three of those cases, I would say, you know, God created you with with reason. I don't care what your education is, you know, you have the ability to reason. And we don't check our reasoning at the door when we come to faith. We don't sweep our questions under the rug. So I would encourage you to question no matter where you are. But if you're at that point where you can say, my Lord and my God, that's great. And I encourage you to to do that one final note I want to say is that you know truth that I've been talking about the truth of history and the truth of the resurrection isn't just truth in history God's word speaks about truth that is going to come as well um, you know nowadays I was just reading something this morning where a bible verse was quoted Isaiah 59 14 truth has fallen in the streets no one seems to care but God's word speaks about the truth of what is to come as well. And and by placing our faith in him, we are, as it were, rescued from a sinking ship. And so I encourage you to place your faith in him for your own sake. Merry Christmas.
1: 2011 my oldest son was about to turn a year old and my husband and I wanted to have kids close together so we were hoping to have another child and um, after about a year we didn't have much luck it was a really challenging time not understanding why we we weren't able to to get pregnant again Um, and then one day it was in October we finally found out I was pregnant it was very exciting I was singing in, in the choir, in the Christmas musical, in the story in 2011, and as I was standing on stage, I could tell that something wasn't right, and we were singing, um, I'm pretty sure the song we were singing was All, all Is Well, and I was thinking in, my, in the back of my mind, you know, all, all isn't well, something's wrong. So I went to the restroom, I found out I was miscarrying, and it was very difficult um, in the middle of the production, knowing that I was losing this baby, and and so we I called my husband and we went down to the hospital. We had an ultrasound and they found the baby and they looked really close and there was no heartbeat. And just seeing that ultrasound with no life was very hard. And I was mad at God, saying, Why why God would you give us this baby and then take it away? And it was really hard and I don't think I handled it very well. I didn't I didn't act very Christian like in those moments when I was mad at God for for giving us the blessing of another child and then taking it away as soon as we were used to the idea. And then that Christmas was also very hard. All of the focus is on this new baby that God gave this gift to the world of this child and knowing that he didn't give me my baby. And it was a very hard Christmas to try and have family time and pretend to be happy for my other son, and to smile. And The way that God really ministered to me through that time was through music. There were several songs that, um, that helped me Refocus instead of focusing on myself and what I felt God owed me, instead focusing on what God did give me and the blessings that I did have. Um, and that the greatest gift was the baby that He sent at Christmas, Jesus. And I shouldn't be sad about the baby that I lost, and instead I needed to praise Him, even though it was hard and even though I was sad. Shortly after Christmas, and after that very hard Christmas season, I found out again that I was pregnant, and throughout that pregnancy, I had a lot of fear, and I had to pray a lot, ask God to give me strength, and ask God to protect my health and the baby's health. And My youngest son was born in October of the following year, and it was a really sweet holiday season after that. Um, It was still sad. I still had moments of sadness remembering. The child that we lost that we'll meet in heaven one day. But that season was cause for celebration. And even though before God um, gave me another child, I had learned to focus on Him and to praise Him, even, even in the storm of life, even in a very hard holiday season. It was a time of growth for me. I was able to learn a lot about what God had in store for me. And I still don't understand why he chose to take that child, and it is still hard, especially at this time of year. But he's given me so many blessings, and I can't wait to meet that child in heaven one day. And I know that Christmas time is always going to be a special time where I think about not only the baby of Jesus, when God gave us that greatest gift, but also all of the blessings that he's given me, all of the gifts of my three kids the one that I'll meet in heaven, and my two little boys that I have now. That first year after my miscarriage, my brand new baby was able to be the baby Jesus in the promise um, in the Christmas musical that following year. And it was great to be able to, to really mentally understand that blessing of the blessing of a child, the blessing of a baby not only my baby, but also Jesus. And to really praise God, even though he gives and he takes away, we need to praise him through all of the seasons of life, the good ones, the hard ones. He is our focus, not ourselves, not on what he owes us, but Jesus and the salvation he brings and the gift that God gave us at Christmas so many years ago.
2: Can we give the choir, the orchestra, just another round of applause and thank them? Thanks, y'all.
1: <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
2: Hey, give those who did their testimonies as well, because I tell you what—that's uh, that was a tremendous part of this whole thing. So, Peter Chu and Larry and Reuben—I don't know where Reuben went—but it was a tremendous time. You know, um, over the last year and a half, I've I've noticed something about David, and that is that he uh, forgets offerings. <laughs> where is he? Where? Going to be mortified. I I love it. It is so funny to me. So, we're going to take the offering, okay? Can we do that? And, guys, let me have a word of prayer and uh, we'll just go right into that. And then we're going to have kind of more of a devotional sermon. Is that okay? And uh, this is just one of those wonderful days where it snowed and it's fun. So, let's have fun with it, okay? Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you so much uh, for your grace and I thank you for the choir and The orchestra, the time to be able to praise you and to worship you. And Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the snow, how beautiful it is. And to be reminded of the fact that you cleanse us, you clean us, you wash us, whiter than snow. Father, I thank you that you do make everything new. And Lord, that we have the opportunity to come this morning to praise you and to worship you, to glorify your name. I thank you for David and the orchestra and the choir. I thank you for the testimonies that were given. And Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Hey, I'll tell you what, uh, Merry Christmas. I love this time of year, and I love the fact that it snowed. I know it it impacts people getting here and all that kind of stuff. Um, But it is such a beautiful picture of our salvation, isn't it? And I love uh, this thought. Uh, How many of you have just really enjoyed seeing the mountain after a snowstorm. Isn't it incredible? Um, I, I know when I moved here, uh, it was from Arizona. And so snow, forget it. You know, that, that's not happening. And uh, I love snow. And I can remember seeing the mountain uh, for the first time after it had snowed. And it's just gorgeous. But, you know, prior to that, you can't see the mountain. Why? Because there's storms. Right? It gets covered up. You, you have no idea what's going on, uh, what's happening on the mountain. You have no idea what it's going to look like when it's through. You don't know how much it's going to snow. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know how the sun's going to come out and hit it. I mean, you got a picture because you've seen it before, but you really don't know. And I think it's such a great picture of faith for us. God's at work, whether we see it or not. The Lord is doing something magnificent that when the storm clouds of life get pulled away from it, you get to see something that you go, oh, look at that. Look how great God is. Last night I was talking to some people that were visiting and they came to the the presentation and of course it snowed so it impacted some things and everything like that, but They were so blessed. They were just sharing how they were blessed that this wasn't a performance, that it was worshipful, that it was about the Lord, and that it was about what Christ has done for us, that they had the opportunity to just praise the Lord in the midst of it. And they were even pointing out in the bulletin how it said lead worshiper rather than some other things that could be used. And, you know, one of the things that we would want to see at Hoffmantown is when people leave, That they're not going, oh, that was great, this was great. And there's nothing wrong with that. Praise God, we praise people. And we're thankful for all the things that have been done. But primarily, when people have been a part of something here, that they're leaving and they're saying, what a great God. What a great God. That's what we want. Because that's from the heart. So I want to share with you a little bit about faith this morning because we've been talking about community and what it means to be a community. We've talked about uh, defining community. We are called out as believers into the church. We have fellowship with the Lord. We have fellowship with one another. We're a community of grace. (laughs) We didn't do anything to deserve it, right? We, we, We don't do anything we can pay God back for it. It's by God's grace that we're even able to be here this morning. And it's by grace that we have the opportunity of knowing the Lord, learning to follow him. Grace isn't just coming to the cross. It's walking from it. It's gr- everything that God does for us. But today I want to talk a little bit about faith. Faith is a, obviously a foundational subject for the church. It's a massive subject. Hey, I know you know Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the idea. Trust. There's all kinds of different ways that we talk about faith. Here he's talking about trust. Place your faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what's he going to do? He will make your paths straight. So faith becomes a key to enter into a relationship with the Lord and walk with him in the newness of life. We say it different ways, don't we? We talk about Faith as being in the faith. If somebody's in the faith, what does that mean? It means they're a believer, right? You're a believer. If you're in the faith, it means you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted him alone for salvation. And as a result, you are a part of the body of Christ. The church, you are a believer. You're a child of God. You're a part of the kingdom of God. You are in the faith. And it's the faith because it's not just what somebody else begins to think or somebody else has taught you or what you yourself begin to rationalize about how you want to define faith. It's the faith because it's been given to us by the Lord himself. So it becomes the doctrines, the 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 very foundational truths of what Christianity is all about. We talk about having faith. And if we say, uh, well you need to have faith well we mean by that that we need to trust the Lord. We need to believe in God. We need to be persuaded by Him. We need to get into the Word of God and find out about the character of Christ, that it is unchangeable, and therefore we trust Him. So we talk about faith in the sense of something that we need to continue with. We need to grow in. We need to increase in. We need to have faith. We obviously talk about it in terms of believing or trusting the Lord. People get uh, kind of confused sometimes. We talk about faith, and then we talk about trust, or we talk about belief. All of those things are tied together. they just different parts of speech, different actions. Faith is a noun. Trusting, believing are the activity of faith. So when we talk about having faith or trusting or believing, we're talking about actively choosing to walk with God based on what he has done, who he is, and what his desire for our lives is. Uh, is what it, what it ends up being what he wants. All of these are faith terms. Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes from hearing. Hearing isn't just uh, the physical act of hearing. He's talking about the spiritual act of understanding. Spiritually, we begin to understand. How uh, does faith come? It comes by hearing, the spiritual act of understanding, and hearing by the word of Christ, by the word of God. We get into the word of God and God's word begins to persuade us because God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. God's word is able to penetrate, is able to pierce through all the different things that we put together and put up against God. And he's able to take the truth of his word and as a sword, he begins to cut through all those things that we tend to put up as presuppositions, etc., and we he begins to persuade us and we begin to hear we begin to listen we begin to become persuaded we begin to walk by faith Hebrews 11:6 is an amazing verse because it's unequivocal it's absolute he says without faith it is impossible to please him speaking of God for he who comes to God and then he uses this word must, absolutely, unequivocally, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we're not walking persuaded that God is able, if we're not walking persuaded that God is, that he exists, that he's all-powerful, all-sufficient, that he's capable, what, what are we doing? Why do we even say we believe God? Just call it for what it is. We believe ourselves. We believe in circumstances or whatever else you want to fill into that blank. Three things as we talk about faith. First of all, we enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, not by works, not by uh, self-effort, not even by sincerity, but rather how? By faith, by faith. We're established in the faith. We're rooted and grounded in God's love. Uh, We have this wonderful opportunity to be established in the depths and the riches of who God truly is and what he's declared us to be. Our identity is in him. And as a result of that, when the winds of life begin to blow, we're able to stand firm, not because of our own strength, but rather because of the strength of God in and through us. Lastly, we grow. We grow in faith. We don't just stay stagnant. We're not like little seedlings that get planted and then watered and then just stay seedlings. We begin to grow because God has planted Himself within us. We are partakers of the divine nature of God, and what God plants grows. And so we increase, we advance. In faith. God's always challenging us as to what he wants to do, as to his character, and whether or not we trust him or not. That's always what God is doing. So we enter in. Uh, This weekend we've heard some wonderful testimonies of God's faithfulness. You know, Ruben Cisneros uh, gave a powerful testimony about how God's able to change. Uh, changed his life, how the Lord rescued him from addiction. Now, we know, right, that salvation is a process, correct? And with Reuben, I know that's true because he's a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, and I just, where is Reuben? I don't know if he's here today, but I had to, had to do that one. Becky Milligan gave a wonderful testimony, powerful God's faithfulness in the midst of her life and some of the the circumstances that she's gone through. Laura Wallace, tremendous. Troy and what they've gone through as a family. God's faithfulness in the midst of that. Peter Chu, just how God ministered to him. You know, it's really beautiful because when you think about our faith and what Peter said is so right, we, we don't have to check our brains at the doors as Christians. The resurrection is a historical fact. So where does faith come into it? Friend, faith comes into it when we begin to recognize that Jesus Christ really did rise again from the dead. And therefore, we are confronted with what he said about himself and what we need from him. And it's at that moment where God has provided us factual evidence of the reality of, of Christ as Lord, that he is able to save. In fact, he's the only one that's able to save. And the question at that moment becomes, do we trust, do we have faith, do we believe that he is able to do what he says he alone is able to do? And boy, he gave us one of the greatest signs ever in the resurrection. And so he's helped us with that. The question is, do we believe him? Do we trust Him? Do we have faith in Him? John 1.12 says, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who do what? Who believe in His name. Literally, have faith. Trust. Or John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have what? everlasting life to believe we enter into this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ not on the basis of works but rather we look at all that God has done we look at the word of God we look at the fulfilled prophecies we go back and we examine we're like the Bereans we don't just listen and check our brains at the door we listen and we evaluate we look at the historical accounts we look at the resurrection we look at all the different changed lives now we've got a decision to make. Am I going to place my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that he is able to save or am I going to trust something or someone else? That's the issue. I know you know Ephesians 2:8 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God not as a result a result of works so that no one May boast. I think the, the simplest, most beautiful uh, explanation of salvation given to somebody was to the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, where the, the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's response to him is simple and it's clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe. We enter into that relationship by faith. We're established in it. We're established in it. Chuck Colson says this, Foremost among the marks of the church is the preaching of the word. The church proclaims the gospel, and not only to bring in unsaved people, but to edify and strengthen and deepen the knowledge of the faithful in the word of God. Why? Because apart from the word of God, where's faith? So whether it's here in a worship service, whether it's in K groups, whether it's in the children's ministry, whether it's in the student ministry, the preaching, the proclamation, the teaching of the word of God is vital to the health of the body, the community of believers who ought to be a community of believers who are faithing, believing, trusting, growing, being established in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't separate it. It's essential. All kinds of verses on that particular subject. One of my favorites is in Romans 117 where he says, In it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by how? Faith. Trusting God. Believing God. Walking with the Lord. Lastly, we grow in faith. Faith. We grow in faith. We don't just enter into faith. We don't just get rooted and grounded in the love of God and just stagnate. What God plants grows. So the whole idea of growing in faith is captured in Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 and following. He says, I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. The the apostle was wrestling with this. Can't wait to go home. Can't wait to be with the Lord in heaven for eternity. It's going to be great. But then he says this, yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. In verse 25 he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. That word progress literally has the idea of cutting down anything that would get in your way. And in the context and all that Paul talked about, he's always talking about anything other than trusting, believing, and enjoying the Lord Jesus Christ. Walking by grace. Anything that would come in in order to hinder your walk with the Lord, your relationship with the Lord needs to be cut out. So that you can enjoy and have joy In the Lord himself that you can advance, progress, grow, increase in your walk with Christ. Anything that would get in the way of your relationship with the Lord needs to be cut out of the way. The path made straight. What a beautiful truth that is. Let me give you a couple faith questions in closing. Because I always think this is fascinating. First of all, is it of God's word? Is it of God's word? Because if it's truly of God, if we're truly believing in the Lord, if we're truly walking by faith, guess what? It will never contradict Scripture. Ever. Ever contradict Scripture. If it contradicts Scripture automatically, it's not from the Lord. The question is... As you're discerning what is God saying, what is the Lord doing, what am I supposed to do, how does the Lord want me to respond, the question is, is it of God's word? That's essential. Secondly, is it stamped with God's character? Is it stamped with God's character? Somebody can say, well, I'm doing what God's word tells me, but they're doing it in a way that has nothing to do with the love of Christ. We we follow God a certain way. The deeds of the flesh are obvious. The fruit of the Spirit is love. If it doesn't have love wrapped around it, how can it be of the Spirit, from the Spirit? How can it be of faith? So when we talk about following the Lord, and we talk about discerning whether this is of God or not, whether this is of faith or not, trusting in the Lord or not, we better make sure but the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, and all the characteristics of it are stamped in the midst of how we're going about following the Lord. And lastly, is there full reliance upon the Lord? You know, one of the things I've learned, and I don't know, you probably have been challenged in this as well. When it's of the Lord, there is no plan B. Anybody ever been there? When it's of the Lord, there's no plan B. He puts us into those boxed canyons. And we've got a decision to make. Are we going to trust the Lord in this? Or are we going to rely on our own thinking? Are we going to trust God and what he's saying? Are we going to listen to what he has to say? Or are we going to try to figure it out ourselves? There's never a plan B with God. Because he demands for us To trust him, to walk with him, to seek him, to know him. And guess what? In the midst of it, sometimes there's clouds, there's storms, and we're not sure exactly what God's doing. We got to go back to the Word of God. We got to discern. We got to filter. We got to talk to one another. We got to seek the Lord's will on things. We got to empty ourselves of all of our own agendas. We got to come before the Lord and say, Lord, what would you want? Would you make this clear? We've got to evaluate the word. And in the midst of all that storm, God's doing a work. And when God parts those clouds, we get to step back and go, wow, look at that. Look what God's been doing all along, and we didn't even know it. (laughs) That's the beauty of it. Surprised by joy, as C.S. Lewis talks about. Surprised in wonder and the glory of who God really is. So I want to challenge you this morning. Christmas is just a wonderful time of year. It's a beautiful time to celebrate what God has done for us. But it's also a time to reflect. It's also a time to look at our own lives and say, Lord, we want to walk by faith, not by sight. We want to walk pleasing unto you. We want to walk according to your word. We want everything that we do to be stamped with your character. And, Lord, we're not satisfied with Plan B and Plan C and Plan D. <laughs> we, only, we want to experience you and you alone.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.